there is a final kingdom coming. I feel my help coming. I ain't gonna preach on this podcast. (laughs) But if you. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for thanks for asking, uh, Adriana. Trying to be um, correct, but yes, um, I do feel um, a special burden to vote um, as a Christian. I don't believe like there is like a Christian way um, to vote. Um, I know some some popular pastors and leaders have come out in the past couple of days and weeks and said, if you a Christian, you must vote for this, you know, person, or, or you most must vote um, like this. Um, there's just so many things in between. Um, and like, there's no political party that, you know, um, truly captures what it means to be a Christian and how to live. But one verse I do think about that really comes to mind is, is Micah 6, 8. Um, and it says, um, as I took, um, I have told you what is good, what the Lord requires of you, um, to to do justice, to to love mercy, and to walk humbly um, with God. And, and I think about this verse because this verse teaches us that like our duty um, as God's people, um, um, as a believer, is to do justice and to live righteously. Um, and the part of, of doing justice is caring for the less fortunate. And my vote um, isn't is it isn't the ultimate way to care for the less fortunate, but it is a way to you know do justice and get people into office who would best serve the community and the country. Yeah, I believe um, in Romans thirteen, the submission to authorities. Uh, in the beginning, it said, "Let everyone, every person, be subjected subject to governing authorities." And Initially, as you go throughout that verse, you see that uh, as you are subject to um, the authority, governing authorities, you also are submitting to God. But if you also resist those authorities, you're resisting God because God essentially appointed them. Um, he is sovereign and is over them. So we have a civic and, commun- and, and, and community responsi- communal responsibility in, in voting and making sure that we are uh, being attentive to what is happening in our nation, in our communities. Uh, so that is making sure not only do we vote, but we pay our taxes. Uh, that we also uh, make sure that we pay them taxes, right? Uh, Give to Caesars. What's Caesars, right? Yeah. Something like that? You just interrupted my time. <laughs> my bad, my bad. Reclaim your time. Reclaim so. your time. <laughs> God, <man>. Um. <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, that, that is our responsibility right there. So if you have time, read uh, Romans 13 to um, help you with that. What would you say, Adrian? Oh, now you turned it on me. Uh, yeah, I, I do feel a special burden to vote as a 
the civil responsibility as a Christian, I think maybe a little bit heavier, mm. just because um, what is in the Bible for Christians as far as justice and living righteously and all of those things and looking to the less fortunate, um, sometimes it's hard to put that on a party, mm. as Sergi said, like, Jesus 2020 is what you want to say, right? Because I don't think either party is completely in line with Christian values, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But I do think that that's what makes it harder, I think, as a Christian. Um, and then even just the discussions around all of this and being able to still debate with people. <laughs> Drop the music. I dropped the mic before I was done. Okay. Take two. Um, yeah. No, we, no, we got to keep it in. Okay. Y'all, just so you know, I just, I just, uh, I talk with my hands and I just knocked over my mic so you can laugh at that. Okay. What was I even talking about? Uh, dropping the mic? Drop, no, I wasn't even ready to drop the mic though. I didn't Wrong. even have a good point. I was all just right. trying to. Um, but yeah, I think the conversations around all of this as a Christian. I feel like it's harder sometimes to debate with people mm -hmm. uh, because we all think about different issues, which I'm going to get to later on. Um, and also just like the weight you have as a Christian to still present Jesus when people may be frustrating you, um, I think it's harder too. Wow. So yeah, I do feel a different burden as a Christian during this time. Yeah. How about you, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I think that I gotta take my headphones off. Can't listen to myself. I think that uh, showtime. I think we've got a a real responsibility as Christians to vote. Absolutely, I think that's scripturally uh, supported. But you know, we live in in the world. We have to to walk around and exist in the world. And uh, you know. As Christians today, we've we've found ourselves living in uh, certainly Christians in America living in a society that is becoming more polarized, um, and you know I think it's incumbent upon us to be participants in that society. If, in my opinion, we want to be able to uh, maybe have influence over others or um, be be examples of of humble, you know, Christ followers. Then we have to find a way to participate in our society um, with a, a clear conscience, certainly. But uh, you know, voting is a huge way that we can do that. I think we're going to talk about it a little bit later. I think right now we find ourselves in a time where you know, um, whoever you cast your vote for. You, you really are picking a couple of issues and saying, like, this is where I'm going to plant my flag. And it's like, if I vote one way, you know, I'm valuing, let's say, black lives. Uh, if I vote another way, I'm valuing uh, maybe unborn children. So it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough spot to be in. Uh, but I think that if we really look at it, it's not dissimilar to a spot we've probably always been in. And at a certain point, you know, you kind of make those choices based on your on your biblical priorities, um, and I think that's okay, you know. Uh, but it it is hard, and, and I don't think, certainly in my adult life, have I ever been in a position quite like the one that I'm in now, and I know that's something that everybody kind of feels. Yeah. So let's go ahead and dig in. I'm going to skip <clears throat> some of these questions. 
So what particular uh, issues are at the top of your mind as you vote? Because like, like Kyle said, I mean, there are different issues that as a Christian, it's kind of hard to say what really um, is biblical when it comes to policy. So what issues are most important to you right now as you make a decision? I guess yep. everybody's looking they, at me they, right they, now for they, some reason. They're sending, yeah, they're sending uh, it out. Uh, but but uh, the education and uh, factor and the wealth gap are two things that are that are on my mind because I think that they are they affect several different individuals and there has been systemic issues uh, concerning both uh, the, both issues economically. I believe the wealth gap is one of the things that I have um, been particularly uh, mindful of because uh, people's access to capital um, and the systemic things that are in place. So there's a book called The Color of, uh, of Money, and there's one example in there where uh, they deal with some of the systemic issues economically that uh, was unbeknownst to me, but one example was how Bank of America, um, where, where, how it merged. Uh, when you look at our society, Frederick Douglass would talk about how banking and owning real estate was two of the most powerful um, aspects in that time for, uh, for a black person especially coming from not owning absolutely nothing. Uh, and so uh, because of the systemic things that are systemic ways that to economically hinder and encumber people of color, uh, th those were difficult aspects of our society trying to develop and hold a financial institution. So it's, to particularly because I'm an African-American, black banking is vital for the community. Um, so they use an example on how uh, unlike uh, when Italian banks were built, uh, in, particularly in California, because it had uh, accumulated so much wealth and it was so powerful, it merged with what we have, know today, which is Bank of America. Uh, and that gave so many Italians who were immigrants so much access to capital um, and to be able to gain wealth and develop over time. And you think about that at a time in 1880, right after Reconstruction or um, right there in the early 1900s, you have to understand and we have to understand that for so long not to have access to capital, um, to buy a home, to own a business, uh, it limits a community. And uh, the notion which one believes that you pull yourself by your own bootstraps, bootstraps is a fallacy because no one is able to do that without having some kind of capital to start up, some kind of help in that area. So economically, that is a strong issue because we still have individuals that are suffering from generational poverty and we should not be dealing with those issues in our society and there has to be some way that we can also think about minimum wage 
as inflation goes up and increases, people cannot continue to be paid at $8.25 an hour and pay rent and mortgage and be, uh, we don't want people to be okay with just living on section eight. We want there to be some level of upward mobility, but there has to be a level of access to funds. Also another good, good example is the, um, my sister, she just bought her first home, my older sister, and uh, she was just talking about, and we can relate, the fear in that process of buying your first home, what you don't know, what you do know, um, you know, not wanting to be taken advantage of. Um, all of that process, um, especially when you don't have anybody walking with you, and especially when you're limited in capital, is a nerve-wracking process. And so if you don't, if you're not educated on that, you don't want to buy, you're not even going to think about buying a home. You're not even want to own anything because you don't think that you can, that you are able to. And so I'll also talk about education. The coronavirus has, ex has exposed our educational system. That much of our education system has been bent and built on trying to provide a structure to discipline kids and then think about learning. Now that's my, that's Michael Davis's personal opinion to discipline kids and then think about learning. I was a part of the public education system. I, re I remember hall monitors policing and walking down halls. Uh, the first thing was to think about walking through in school and walking through a metal detector, right? There was no liberty in school. School was a, it was a, a, a prison to pipeline um, issue and I still think and we've ramped that up today where kids don't have the critical thinking skills that are necessary to continue to develop not only personally but in their education giving them the freedom to think and to explore and to be creative it, it, it's limited in a system that is only focused on doing right behavior modifications and so when you think about kids being at home today it's hard to tell a kid what to do through Zoom. It's hard to discipline kids virtually. So you, 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 we're losing the battle. But if kids were equipped appropriately, they would be able to um, have some critical thinking and some self-learning abilities in our education. So how does this affect us civilly? civilly? I think it's thinking about the people that we vote for in those local elections as well, how um, they affect our education system and how they uh, and, and their desire to see not just, you know, not more charter schools built necessarily, but seeing the Memphis public school system develop in a way that will help uh, our communities. Yeah, and Mike, you like said a lot there, and I think if, if I'm a person listening to you talk and you start talking about economics, the question might come up to me and say, how does that matter as a Christian? You know, as a Christian, I'm only supposed to care about, you know, j just the spiritual things of people. I'm only supposed to care about, you know, do they believe in Jesus? Like, just preach the gospel. And Jesus tells us to, you know, really care for the well-being of people, um, even when his people in the Old Testament, when they were exiles, you know, God said, hey, um, you are not at home right now. Y'all are being oppressed, but still seek the welfare of the Absolutely. city. And so when you start talking about just all of these, you know, economic, you know, problem and, and, um, and issues, 
when I hear about the wealth gap, I then see how that um, um, relates to all of the different um, topics that we talk about. You know, when I think about the wealth gap, I see why there are so many abortions. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, I hate abortions, um, but it's so easy for me to just get caught up on the almost like the the outward um, the 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 outward um, show of sin instead of um, looking at the root um, and trying to fix that. And so, to someone saying, "Hey, as a Christian, why are we talking about education? Why are we talking about you know these different issues?" As a Christian, um, we we care for the whole being um, of the person. Um, and caring for the whole being of the person actually eliminates eliminates um, a lot of the social issues that we do see. Yeah, I think that, you know, just to follow up, if you're wanting to look at this in theological categories, I think it's helpful to have a, this is in the area of having a strong doctrine of humanity. Um, when we think about systematic theology, that you cannot care for humanity and have a strong understanding of all people and value them no matter where they are if you're not thinking about their needs. Um, I, I can't sleep at night and simply think about my neighbor who uh, does not have anybody caring for him. This is a real problem. He, he doesn't have anybody to care for him. He doesn't have any family. He's living by himself and he's poor. Uh, I can't rest and just lay my head uh, peacefully just because I am okay. A strong doctrine of humanity says that I care for my neighbor because of their inherent dignity, worth, and value, and therefore I can't look past their problems. I have to see them alongside with their problems. Yeah, I'm a flip from being a facilitator to a participant. Yeah, I think it's important for us to look at like physical needs because Jesus did that, right? Yep. Like he fed the multitude, he healed people of their physical ailments. Yep. And so I do think like, Sergi, how people can say, well, just make sure they're gonna go to heaven. <laughs> um, you know, let's just talk about the spiritual stuff. I think sometimes that's a cop out because mm. you don't wanna look at the real issues and you don't want to actually have to maybe come out of your pocket and, and do some things um, or say some things that are controversial. It's easy to just say, let, let me just over-spiritualize all of this. Mm -hmm. um, but this person is, is hungry and dying and, you know, suffering. And so I think that's good. I wanted to ask you, Sergi, when you were saying you see why there are so many abortions with um, the whole poverty cycle. Can you give me, like, draw some dots for people that may not understand why you're saying that? Um, yeah, so... When I think about this issue, I think about one particular person, a real person and his story, um, you know, it's a sad one to hear, um, but he, before turning 18, he was, uh, he has paid for three abortions in high school. Um, and it's easy for me to just think about the abortion topic and be like, man, like you're wrong, don't do that, don't do another one, but then I enter into his, his home life and I began to just see where he come from and, and, and everything that he has gone through. So his, he has a lot of siblings, had a big family, but his dad passed away tragically in a car wreck when he was three years old. Um, his mom was left with 10 kids. Um, he told me he had to start working at the age of seven just to buy his own like school shoes. So he was out in the streets just, um, just 
just trying to make it, trying to just take care of himself you know, and all of, all of his siblings too. Um, so he never, his family never had any just you know help or resources. He told me I never had any man to look up to. Um, like I've never been outside of my neighborhood. I've never been downtown. Never seen the, the Mississippi River. Just just all of these things. So. Um, of course, you know, he gets sexually active, his girlfriend gets pregnant, and and for him, when it came to the issue of abortion, it wasn't so much, um, is this right or wrong, it was survival. How am I going to survive? And I think a lot of times, um, so even after talking to him, um, and talking with him, and just trying to be a mentor and um, to him, I began to see, like, not to justify his action, but I began to see all, everything else that that he is up against um, in his life. Um, and now I'm looking to help him, you know, get a job, um, how to keep a job, how to take care of bills, you know, just, just, just walking him through life, help that he never had. Um, versus just coming at him saying, hey, abortion is wrong, never get another abortion. And now he has a child, um, and he did not ab abort this baby. Um, but I think that answers what you yeah, trying to you're, get to. You're saying the root of abortion sometimes is poverty. Yeah. And abortion may be a symptom, sin, but that the root is. Is that what you're saying? I don't want to, like, put Yeah, and like, and, like, when, when I talk about abortion, it's a super sensitive mm -hmm. uh, topic. You know, different people have different views on what abortion is. Um, I think some people don't realize, um, um, people think, oh, abortion is, I'm not about to have a baby. No, like, abortion is, like, you are getting rid of a, you know, human being. Like, it's a, you know, super uh, sensitive thing. Um, and so I'm not trying to, um, like, talk lightly about it, but there is still a sense of when I see people who are just so gun ho like the Republican Party, it's like for so long abortion is the one thing we're gonna die over. And, uh, and as I look at and I'm not Democrat, I'm not Republican, but I read this this interesting um, article and it said that abortions are are actually uh, generally lower under the Democratic uh, reign um, because they are looking to provide more health care. So Democrats' focus is on eliminating, you know, the the issues that will lead to abortion, where the Republican Party is focused on eliminating abortion um, and not eliminating the need or the desire for the abortion. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I'm getting at. We could talk about that for a minute, but I know we just have a few few minutes really with you all. How about you, Kyle? Like, what issues are on the front of your mind as you're going to the polls? I mean, for me, it's like justice is the issue. Justice for all people, like in this nation, period. And uh, equality as well, being a part of that. I mean, I, you know, you may regret asking me to be on here because I, I like... Uh, struggle with getting in the weeds on like these really specific issues when I'm like we got people dying every day from poverty we have people 
not reaching their full potential, not being successful because of a lack of education, because our education systems are completely and utterly broken. People sick and dying because they don't have access to good health care, because our health care has been so privatized and has become so expensive, people can't afford to even go to the doctor, so they get sick and, and die or, or struggle because of that. They lose their job. They, they can't keep a job because of that. I mean, these are massive injustices on such a large scale that for me, like when I cast a vote, I'm just like, who, who's going to get us, you know, closer to justice and equality for all? And I feel like for me, when I look at that uh, as the filter through which I'm casting my vote and thinking about political issues, you know, certainly in this presidential race, it's pretty clear um, who's who's going to be able to do that. But uh, I just I struggle to like go, okay, I'm voting like this way because of this one issue, and like the morality of this um, is the reason why I'm casting my vote. I'm like. I'm thinking about, you know, the bigger picture. Both sides are inherently flawed. Mm -hmm. This is a man-made system run by men. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be broken kind of at every turn. Uh, but for me, I'm just asking a bigger question of, like, who's going to get us a little bit closer? Who's going to have those poor folks in mind? Who's going to have those kids, you know, going to uh, – a school that is being run by a broken system in mind, who's going to have the unemployed in mind or the sick people who can't afford health care in mind uh, versus going, you know, this candidate supports banning abortion and this candidate doesn't, so that's how I'm casting my vote or, or whatever issue you want to put on the table. I mean, the reality is, I don't know, with abortion specifically, since that's what we've been talking about, it's like abortion's legal. I mean, to change that law like a lot of work is going to have to be done and that's a lot of time and a lot of effort to change you know one law on one issue and in my mind that's going to leave uh, a vast expanse of folks unattended to and so you know I think when we look at at Christ and the example he set and the things that he spent his time doing um, when he was on earth you know he was about justice he was about like healing folks and 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 trying to make folks healthy not only bodily but of spirit um, emotionally mentally and all that so you know that that's what I'm thinking about when I'm voting yeah yeah so with that what would you say to somebody that may only see one issue when it comes to voting what would you say to that person that only sees just one issue this is the biggest thing. This is what I'm going to vote for. Um, what would you say as a as a brother or sister in Christ? I mean, the reality is we all are affected by our personal experiences, uh, our cultural upbringing, um, the the things that we have been been exposed to, um, and so I can't if, if a person is gun ho about immigration like i'm not gonna say hey man think about this too um think i mean i will say think about this too but i'm not about to condemn you or judge you for being passionate about what you're passionate about um but at the same time i do believe that the issue is not so much someone being gun ho on one issue i think the issue is 
um, is as Christians, we um, we have been caught up in the political um, game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy um, for so many people to think as a Christian, you have to vote one way. Um, this is the one issue as a Christian. And I think as a Christian, um, I already said like that's just simply not the case. Um, but but when you do get exposed to different people' needs, uh, maybe if you step outside of your of your bubble, um, of your um, of your own friend zone, but really start to begin to see the different needs in a city, that exposure is going to change you. No, no, no. Oh. Repeat what you, you guys said. I was saying, what would you say to somebody that wants to just vote on, like, one issue okay. that you may even, that you may agree on or disagree on? Like, what would you say to somebody that's just voting on one issue? Yeah, I, I think that uh, voting on one issue is basically limiting one's, as a Christian, limiting, limiting one's understanding of uh, one's community and nation. Because uh, one issue does not necessarily dictate uh, uh, all of justice, all of um, all of the ramifications, uh, dictates or, or cures all of the ramifications uh, in society. So I would say to uh, acknowledge uh, one's bias and not letting that bias be the one thing that leads your the issue that you want to vote on. I know we're getting short on time. I do want you guys to hear um, what we're not saying. So we're not saying you should vote for a particular party or anything like that. That's not right. what we're saying. Right. We are sharing what issues are on our hearts and mind as we go to the polls. And uh, I, I hope that what you all are getting from this is please consider more than one issue. I hope that's, I think that's what we can all agree on is what we're saying. Um, what role, I think we can just end here. Uh, what role does prayer play in all of this? All of the political unrest, because it's a very tense time. I mean, we, we also have been, you know, uh, quarantined in our homes for like six months. None of this is normal. There's a lot of tension. Um, all the things that are happening with police brutality, all of those things. What role does prayer and hope in Jesus play in this because we don't know what's going to happen, how we're going to be feeling on November 4th. <laughs> mm-hmm. So as we go into this on top of our just normal life duties, uh, what role does prayer play in all of this? And you know, how do we keep ourselves, uh, keep our eyes on Jesus during this time? Yeah, I think prayer is, and, and prayer and our hope in Christ is a reorientation of our minds and our hearts uh, that God has them captive and therefore we present um, the issues and the things that we feel as if, um, as Kyle already mentioned, um, each party uh, that is inherently um, uh, uh, inherently sinful, however we want to characterize them, will not be able to fulfill every single issue. But we know that God can that God can continue to um, provide the right justice and the um, 
also fulfill uh, those gaps that are there because of the limitations that we have within our own political office. Uh, that is why prayer is essential. And prayer is not a flippant thing or a last resort. Uh, prayer is, uh, it is the impetus for us going before a sovereign God and consistently having a lofty view of him, therefore understanding that providentially he is in control and leading this entire world and even this moment that we have and we feel this tension. Therefore, we have hope in him. Um, that hope, is it, it doesn't put us to shame, right? That our hope actually gives us something to stand on, to be firm in, to be firm in and to know that uh, God, at the end of the day, um, will have his say. And we stand on the side of righteousness and justice uh, that is our fulfillment in God's second coming. And that's our, that, that's our, our, uh, our, our total hope. And then we hope that that, that we hope we hope that we can see moments or we can just see and experience here on earth parts of God's hopefulness a restoration through this season in this political climate um, in our communities etc yeah Mike um, that was good and like when I think about the hope I don't know how how patriotic this is of me but I can't help but think about like this is not my home, you know. Like as a believer, um, I know we kind of get like so caught up in you know God bless America and America being being a Christian nation and all that. But my Bible and my study time always reminds me that this is not my home. You know, I'm in I'm an alien. I'm passing through, and so there's I'm never going to be 100 percent content. Um, I'm never going to be 100% satisfied, but as God told his people when they were exiles, to seek the good of the city, mm -hmm. but your hope is that I'm coming back and I will um, redeem you. Um, mm -hmm. And there is a final kingdom coming. I feel my help coming. I ain't going to preach on this podcast. <laughs> but if you... <laughs> um, but, not like, <laughs> but no, for real... I think, like, as I feel anxious, as I feel my blood began to boil towards, you know, different um, politicians and di and different policies, um, I think prayer um, always reminds me um, of my hope, um, of my final hope, as uh, Pastor Mike just mentioned. Yeah, and I think uh, I would just say it's a, a, a way for me to continue to remind myself that I'm not in control, like Michael said, like, like God's in control, right? So it's so easy with social media and news alerts, like somebody we know got COVID and died, somebody else we know lost their job or, or doesn't have a job anymore because their business closed down. Like, um, I don't know. It's like sometimes, sometimes, uh, it's, it's scary because like, if I got cancer and, and I prayed every night for God to take my cancer away and then I end up dying of cancer, like where, where does that leave me, right? But, you know, I think it, it's, again, just a reminder that like there's a bigger plan in place and there's horrible things happening in the world. Um, 
we see s scary headlines every day. Uh, and I say all that to say we, it, it can feel hopeless and it can feel overwhelming um, and terrifying. And all I can do at that point is go, you know what? Like, I, I got no control over this. I mean, as powerful as my vote is, like my one vote isn't gonna change the outcome of this. It's like, I play my part and I participate, but I, I always have to hit that zoom out button and, and get that perspective of, I can't change this stuff, I'm not in control. I can affect a little bit of change in my communities and in my relationships and in my families and in my friendships and I can be intentional about who I spend time with and and uh, and how I enact you know justice on a small scale within my immediate reach but ultimately like we just have to let go of control and I think for me prayer meditation any of that stuff in regards to the election or just life in general is just always a way for me to hit that zoom out button and, and get perspective and give control up stuff on the other side real quick uh i just keep on praying like thy thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven mm -hmm. um and that's that's my prayer and i think all of us probably uh pray that prayer and see a different vision if yeah. that makes any sense but mm -hmm. god knows exactly what needs to happen and we live in a fallen world and as kyle said we're not in control of there there are things that will happen that are evil <laughs> um mm. But I think I just keep on praying, you know, thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And um, I just want to end with one more uh, piece of scripture. If you agree with the things that have been said, or you don't agree, that's fine too. But I just want to end with this Psalm 4-4. Four, four. You can't disagree, <laughs> you can't disagree <laughs> with the scripture. <laughs> so this, this is what I'm thinking, okay. Psalm 4-4, four, four, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. So my prayer for all of us is that we are putting our trust in the Lord. As Christians, if we're angry, we don't sin, that we take it to God and pray for the right words to say to whoever we may agree or disagree with. And as we vote, that we are pondering in our own hearts the scripture what God says, what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. Uh, so that's my prayer. Thank you all for offering your thoughts. And if again, if you disagree, if you agree, please, please, please reach out to us. Uh, you can email us, check out our website, comment on, well, probably not comment. Go <laughs> ahead and DM us if you disagree so we can have a good conversation, a good godly Christian debate um, as we ponder in our own hearts and put our Thank you, y'all. Take one.